This morning we're kicking off a new series called What's in a Name? What's in a Name? And in this series we're going to be talking about the names of God. And God has many names. He has to have many names because uh, his character and his nature is kind of like a, a diamond. You know, what makes a diamond beautiful is how multifaceted it is. And when the light hits a facet, it, it sparkles. And, and so God has so many character traits and attributes that are so beautiful that he's got to have as many names to, to just, you know, barely try to describe him. Think about it even in human terms. Uh, a lot of us, we have, we have multiple names. We, we, we get called different things. Uh, my, my kids call me dad. Uh, a lot of you call me bad things. Um, <laughs> a lot of you call me Pastor Dave or, or Dave. That's fine. Have whatever you want to call me. Uh, my grandkids call me Pop. Um, we were talking, some of us older guys, we were talking in the foyer before service, and I was, I was asking them, I was like, hey, what do your grandkids call you? And uh, it, what, what, it was Pop or Pop G for you, Gary. Uh, somebody else is uh, Bump Bump. Never heard that one before, that, but that's Bill Benninger. He's, he's Bump Bump. Uh, someone else was, was it Opa? Is that a German, German name? Uh, anyway, you know, we, we have people call us different things. My wife calls me preacher man, and depending on what kind of mood she's in, sometimes she calls me other stuff. Um, but <laughs> just to describe us, we're too multifaceted to have just one name. Now, imagine God. Imagine God to try to describe his character and nature in one name is impossible. So the Bible reveals to us many names uh, that, that God goes by, and each name reveals or just gives us another little glimpse into his character and his nature. And so over the next six weeks or so, we're going to be looking at some of the more prominent names of God in Scripture. And my heart is, my hope is, my prayer is, is that we're going to know him better six weeks from now than we do right now. So it's going to be a journey that we go on into his presence. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. The first name of God that we're going to look at in this series is the name Yahweh. That's the first name we're going to look at today, Yahweh. This was the name of God revealed to a man named Moses. Now, Yahweh is not a word that most American Christians use, but from time to time you might hear it in our church service, or there are a couple of songs that we sing here at Crossroads that have the name Yahweh in it. You might have always said, Yahweh, what in the world does that mean? Well, today we're going to find out. Let's go to the scriptures, Exodus 3. In verse 1, Exodus 3 and verse 1 is where we will begin. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So here we find Moses uh, here in the desert. He's tending his father-in-law's flock. How, how did he get there? How did he get there? Let's talk about Moses' backstory just a little bit. Moses was born during the time of Israelite slavery in Egypt. And even though the Jews were enslaved, uh, God was still blessing them. They were still uh, getting married. They were still having children. They were being fruitful and multiplying even during a time of severe adversity. And the Pharaoh at this time, he's watching the Jewish people multiply and he's beginning to get threatened by them. He's, he's thinking, hey, there's going to be uh, you know, so many of them one day, they might rise up against us or join our enemies and fight against us and, and become too powerful. So you know what Pharaoh's idea was? He commanded that all baby boys be killed at birth. Wow. 
And one of the ways these children would be disposed of is that they would actually be thrown into the Nile River. And this is not our topic today, but let me just say this. Any government that partakes in the killing of children is just evil. Just evil. There is no other word for it. Pharaoh, he's evil, and he wants these baby boys exterminated. Well, during this time, Moses' mom gives birth, and of course she wants to save her son's life. So she hides him away for three months. But after three months, she decides, you know, I'm not going to be able to hide him anymore. And so she actually builds this basket, and she, she puts him in this basket, and she places him in the river, trusting God that God is somehow going to intervene and take care of him. And you know what? God does. Uh, it just happens. We know it's, it's not a you know, coincidence, but it's the hand of God that Pharaoh's daughter actually goes down to bathe in the river and she sees this basket and she uncovers it and here is this crying baby and she has compassion upon him and she's like I, I, I know that I know that this is uh, you know a, a Hebrew baby but I, I cannot dispose of him I can't kill him I'm going to take him and she adopts him and she raises him as her own now Moses grows up to be a man and one day he sees one of the Egyptians beating one of the Jewish slaves and when he thought no one was looking Moses sought justice by his own hand and he actually he takes the law in his own hand he he kills the Egyptian uh, he, he didn't think anyone had seen it but the next day uh, two guys were fighting each other and Moses tries to break it up and he says hey guys you know why, why are you fighting with one another and they look at him and they say hey what are you gonna do kill us like you did that Egyptian yesterday all of a sudden, he realizes they know. People know what I did. And so Pharaoh then wants to kill him. And so Moses flees for his life. He goes to this place uh, in, in Midian, and he meets a woman. And uh, he, he, you know, he begins to work as a, a farmer here. He begins to work as a shepherd, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And, and he's there in this desert, in this place of obscurity. And some amazing things begin to happen. And that's where we're going to pick up on the story. Let's go to verse 2. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse 3, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Now, I just love the language here. Uh, Moses sees an angel in the burning bush, but somehow Moses is just still pretty chill. Moses, he, he has a supernatural encounter. He sees this angel in a burning bush, and this, the text says, and for some reason I just read it like this, Moses saying to himself, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. I, if this was me, I'd be like, there's an angel! He's in the bush, and the bush is on fire! Like, how many else would get a little excited? Hey, yesterday I pulled into the church and I saw that our dumpster was a mess and, uh, and there's garbage everywhere. And so I know there's a bear there. And so my son's here and so we get on the video cameras and we look up. This bear is here for like 30 minutes. It's dancing on our dumpster. It's in. It's out. It's walking around the parking lot. I'm pumped up. I'm texting people. I'm like, copy that video. I want to copy that video. I'm going to send it to all my friends. There's a bear here. I got excited over a bear. Uh, Moses has an encounter with an angel in a burning bush, and he says this, 
I will now turn aside and see this great sight. <laughs> I don't know how he stays so chill. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, like God's like, okay, I got your attention. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, two times. And he said, here I am, verse 5. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. God says, before you come any closer, Moses, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. Can we just talk just a minute about having a reverence for God? I, I think, you know, sometimes in the church we tend to live on two extremes and, and, and one extreme is being afraid of God and, and, and feeling like you can never please God and never make Him happy and He's just looking for a reason to strike you down. That's one extreme. But then the, I think there is another extreme where, where people don't, they, they don't revere God anymore. They don't honor God anymore. God becomes commonplace. God is my homeboy. God is my bro. He, you know, he, he's just my buddy. And I think there's a, a healthy place of balance in there. Yes, he is our father. Yes, he is our friend. But he is still God Almighty. And he deserves to be honored and respected and worshipped. It's God. Verse 6, moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, I find it interesting the way God introduces himself to Moses. He introduces himself as a generational God. And church, this morning here in our first installment of this series, as we begin to look at, at some of the many names of God, I, I think we need to be reminded today that God is a generational God. You see, what God is saying to Moses is, Moses, I am the God of every generation. Somebody say every. I'm the God of every generation, Moses, including yours. Now, I'm, I'm about to get myself in trouble, but I, I can handle it because I believe the Lord is with me this morning. Somebody say amen. I want to talk to the old people in the room for a minute. Now, don't get mad yet. You get to determine whether or not you fit in the old category. All right, you get to determine. I'm not calling you old. You determine it. But I'll just say this. I'm going to be 50 on my next birthday, and I got grandkids, so I'm putting myself in the old category. I'm going to talk. How many old people do we have in the room this morning? How many old people self-identify as young people? Come on. All right. All right. Same group of folks. Same group of folks. All right, old people, old young people. I want to preach to us for just a minute. If we're not careful, we will look at the craziness that is happening in our world and begin to think that, that, that God is only the God of the old, if we're not careful, we can watch too much news and browse too many YouTube videos and start to believe that there is no hope for a move of God in this generation. If we're not careful, we can begin to believe that God is done working in the affairs of men. But I want to draw your attention to our text this morning. God shows up to a guy hiding in the desert and introduces himself as a generational God. He does not say, oh Moses, I wish you would have been around in Abraham's day, Moses. 
Moses, did you know that in Abraham's day you could buy a house for 50,000 bucks, Moses? I wish you would have been there. God does not say that to him. God doesn't say to Moses, Oh, Moses, I wish you'd have been around in Isaac's day because, Moses, the churches were full in Isaac's day and the malls weren't even open on Sunday, Moses. Too bad you weren't around to enjoy my good old days, Moses. Church, I don't know if you're picking up what I'm laying down. But if we're not careful, we can begin to look at the moral decay in our culture and start believing that somehow God can't do today what he did back in the day. But I want to tell you what I've just witnessed over these past three weeks at our church camp. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of children and teenagers being poured into by people that love God. I've seen God worshipped passionately by people of ages of around four to up into their 80s. I've seen tears flow. I've seen the Holy Spirit put his hand upon young boys and girls and young men and young women. And I've seen dozens of kids respond to the altar calls. I've seen kids and teens praying uh, uh, over one another for a boldness to live holy lives. And I just want to encourage some young people this morning. Listen, I know there are some crazy things happening in this world world, but don't you dare start believing that God is done working in the hearts and minds of his people. And listen, parents and grandparents, we cannot take our doom, we cannot take our gloom, and we cannot place it on the future of our kids and our grandkids. I know the world has changed. I know we're not living in the world we grew up in, but God is not dead, and he moves in every single generation, including this one. He comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I'm the God of your ancestors. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And yes, Moses, I moved in their day, but I'm also your God and I'm going to move in your day. Hear me, young people. I know some of us old people, we sit around and complain. Hello, we long for the good old days. I'm one of them. But let me tell you, the same God of the Bible is alive and well today. And he's got a plan for your future. Forgive us old people for passing down our fear and our anger and our depression because your God is not dead and your God is not done and he's going to move in your generation and he's going to use you to do it. I wish someone would give this Yahweh God, this present God, a shout of praise today. Listen. I'm not minimizing the craziness of the world. I'm not minimizing what's going on around in our culture. But I will not minimize the power of the great I am. He is God Almighty, and he's here to visit this generation. Listen to me, Grandpa. Watch what you talk about at family lunch today, because your grandkids are listening. Listen, Grandma, watch what you complain about because your, your grandkids are listening and they need to know that in spite of darkness, there is a God who has a plan and a purpose for this generation. It ain't the same. I know it's not the same, but I believe God can work and move in the heart of every generation. He comes to Moses. The whole nation was enslaved. It was worse than what we know right now. We're going to celebrate freedom this week. Their whole nation was enslaved. And God says, here I am. I got to get back to the text. Verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. 
and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Watch. what. So here's what I've done, verse 8. So I've come down. Praise God. I've come down. I, I've not turned a blind eye. My ear is not deaf. I'm here, God says. I've come down. Why? To deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from a land, uh, from this land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. I want you to see this. God says, Moses, I know what's happening on this planet, so I've come down. God knew what was happening all those years ago, and God knows what's happening on this planet right now. Verse 9, now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is absolutely amazing to me. God says, I know what's happening. I see the oppression, I see the injustice, I see the abuse, and I've come down to do something about it, and I'm going to do it through you. It blows my mind that God is God all by himself. He is the self-existent, eternal God, all-sufficient one. In West Virginia, we'd say it this way, God don't need nothing from nobody. He's God. But yet that God chooses to accomplish his will and his purposes through Pop G. Through people. Through Barry. Through Debbie. God uses frail, broken vessels like us. Hard to believe. Moses couldn't wrap his mind around it. Look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know what Moses is thinking? God... I don't know if you know this or not, but I already tried to deliver Israel. I ended up killing a guy. It did not go well. That's how you found me out here in the desert. Aren't you glad God calls people who fail? Aren't you glad God gives second chances? When God asks you, see, Moses is asking the wrong question. Who am I? When God asks you to do something, never look at yourself. Just tell somebody this morning. It ain't about you. Go ahead. If you're sitting beside someone, you just don't. It ain't about you. It ain't about you. It's about him. You've been wanting to say that a long time. It ain't about you. Verse 12. So he said, God says, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say? To them. This is the first name to be revealed in our series. Moses says, okay, okay, God, when I march in there and I announce this jailbreak from slavery, who do I tell them sent me? By whose authority am I doing this? And, and what's your name? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. Verse 15, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Somebody say all generations. All generations. 
all generations. So when I'm telling you that he, that same God is the God of this generation, that's the promise of God. That's not my words. That's the promise of God. God says, I am to all generations. You want to know my name? Okay, here's my name. I am. That's a funny name, isn't it? I heard a Bob. I heard a Larry. I heard a bump bump. But I am is his name. In Hebrew, the name would be Yahweh. We got a little slide here we can throw up. Y-H-W-H. There, there are no vowels in the Hebrew language. So, so we added a, a couple so we could figure out how to say it. And we came up with Yahweh. Now, traditional Hebrews thought of this name of God is so holy they would not even say it. They just wouldn't even say this name. They would write it, but they wouldn't say it. And even when the Bible was translated into English, this name was given so much respect that it appears in all caps, all caps, L-O-R-D. So sometimes you're reading scripture and you'll see the, the name Lord and it might have a capital L and the rest lowercase. Uh, but then at other times it's all caps Lord. And when you see all caps Lord, it's this name, Yahweh, I am. So what does that really mean? It means that he is the forever present tense God. He's, he's, he's always been, but, but he's, he, we're not waiting on God to come. He's here. And when you get home, he'll be waiting for you to get there. But he will ride with you there. <laughs> if you go to Walmart, he's waiting for you there. And if you go to Walmart, you're going to need God. To be there on a holiday weekend. Come on, somebody. I was there at 1030 last night. We are never alone. We are never forsaken. You might be going through a difficult season in your life right now, but I am is with you. Always. You're never forsaken, never alone. He is the forever present tense God. His presence is in our present. I'll say that again. His presence is in our present. He's the God of yesterday. He's the God of today. He's the God of our tomorrows. I heard one preacher trying to explain the name of I am, and he said this, whatever you need, he am. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I like it. Whatever you need, he am. He's, he's again, he's, he's, we're, not, we're not calling on him to come. We're not asking. A lot of times in, 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 in church, we, we will say things like, Lord, we welcome your presence. And, and I understand the sentiment, but, but bro, he was here when we got here. <laughs> He's that ever-present help in our time of need. The same presence of God that was in the burning bush is the same presence of God that we have access to right now in our everyday lives. Here in Exodus chapter 3, it's not the only time that God uses these words to describe himself. Let's hit the fast forward button. Let's go to the New Testament. We're going to find Jesus in an argument with some religious folks. And this was, this was kind of a pattern in Jesus' life. Uh, him, and, him and some of these real self-righteous, pious, prideful, religious, legalistic people, they did not get along. He was often just butting heads with them. And I want you to see what happens here in this conversation in John chapter 8 and verse 54. Jesus answered and said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me of whom you say that he's your God. Jesus says, you, you say that my Father is your God. Verse 55, yet you've known him, or you've not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, watch this now, I shall be a liar like you. 
Somebody say, ouch. You imagine Jesus. Pastor, I thought Jesus was always loving. He is. He is. But he speaks truth. And sometimes it's a little little hard to swallow. And he said, guys, if I would like, if I'd be like you, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? They're saying, Jesus, you expect us to believe that you and Abe know each other? He's he's ancient. He's way back there. He's Old Testament. Here you are. You're you're like 30. You're not even 50 yet. And you say that you know Abraham, and look at Jesus' response, verse 58. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I'm telling you, when I read that, I get goosebumps. This is a mic drop moment. If this mic wasn't so expensive, I'd do it for illustration purposes, but I'm not going to. Everyone in the crowd knows what Jesus is saying right here. Some scoffers of Christianity, they'll say that Jesus never claimed to be God. He's saying it right here when he says, before Abraham was, I am. These folks, everybody in the crowd, they know Exodus 3. They know the story of God revealing himself to Moses as the great I am. So when Jesus says, I am, he's saying, I am the same God that brought the children of Israel out of bondage. The same God is now standing before you. And that religious crowd gets so angry. Look at their response, verse 59. They took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. They passed by. He... He's facing death threats. They want to kill him because he says, I am that I am. I think Charlie said it this week. We were talking. He says, I am too. God the Father, I am. God the Son, I am. God the Holy Spirit, I am. Now, here's the deal, church. God has not shown up in a burning bush and called us to lead Israel out of slavery. But Jesus has come down and called us to lead people out of spiritual darkness. And this is a vital part of this name, Yahweh. It's not just that God is present with us. That's awesome. That's awesome that he is this ever-present tense God. Thank God that his presence is always with us. Can you say amen? amen? But that's not all there is. He is present with us and... He's called us to work with him in accomplishing his will on the planet. He says, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I've come down to do something about it. And guess who I'm going to do it through, Moses? You. That same God has called each of us to his divine purpose. Yahweh. When when, when you hear the name Yahweh, or you read the name Yahweh, here's here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about his presence and his purpose coming together into our present. It's not just that we have this present God and we can live and walk and know his presence. It's that his presence comes with a purpose and he has called us into that purpose. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 28. 
Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you. There's that promise in his name. That's what's being revealed to us this week, that he's present. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. But if we read that little passage backwards, he's saying, listen, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Do you see how his presence and his purpose come together in this name, I am or Yahweh? When you read the word LORD, all caps, or you hear the name Yahweh, I want us to have this thought. God is with me, number one, and number two, God has called me. Not only is he with me, but he has called me. I'm not sure how many of us, let's just be honest, let's just be honest here this morning. How many of us look at our lives, like we wake up tomorrow and, and we we had the day off. We didn't have to go to work. We didn't have to. How many of us would look at our lives and say, geez, I, I wonder what God wants me to do today. I, I wonder how many of us might look at our paycheck and go, I wonder what God wants me to do with this. I wonder how many of us look at our, our talents the gifts that he's given us. And, and, and do we just go into kind of default mode or autopilot and we go, oh, well, God's gifted me and he's blessed me and I got to get out there and I got to make money because I need, I need a new boat. I want to upgrade my house. I, I want to, you know, car's got some miles on it. I want to trade this thing in. I, I want to I take this paycheck and I want to use it, you know, to, to, to get something else and to get something new and to, and to get a, a bigger storage building and tear down the old one. I just did that. It's actually the Cheney family. They did that. Thank you. Jack, if you want to come, we're going to pray in just a moment. But here's, here's where I want to bring us to today. We have this promise revealed in this name, Yahweh. I am. I'm always there with you. That's an awesome promise. But with the promise comes the purpose of God. And I think from time to time, probably more often than we do, we probably need to ask ourselves am I doing what the great I am has called me to do am I using in church we, we, we talk about the three T's the time the talent and the treasures that God has given me am I using all of those things to fulfill the purpose of Yahweh and sometimes we need to adjust our lives. <laughs> sometimes we need to adjust our priorities. Sometimes we need to adjust the affections of our heart in the things that we are pursuing. Sometimes we're, it's, it's, not, it's not wrong to enjoy life, but sometimes our, our hearts are a bit consumed by the pleasures of this world as opposed to the purpose of Yahweh. So I'm going to ask us to stand and I'm going to ask Pastor Brandon to come and lead us in a prayer. Today we are 
We are filled with hope. We've come off three weeks of camp, and we've seen that God is the God of this generation. So we're filled with hope that God is going to move among our young people, fulfill his purpose in them. But for some of us older folks, maybe there's another purpose in today is to give us some hope too, to adjust our perspective a little bit and say, you know, where do we go from here? Are we using everything that God gave us to fulfill the purposes of the great I am? And if we're not, today's a a great time, great moment to adjust some of our priority and some of our perspective. Surrender to him. Father, we thank you that you've chosen to reveal yourself to us, both in your word and by your spirit today. So your word speaks to us. We love your word. We cherish it. We honor it. But we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here, for making it real, for bringing it home, for helping us to understand that you are God. Your word says that you're an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And so as we all move in and out of times of trouble, we know this life brings it, and Jesus promised that. We thank you that when we go into a time of trouble, you are with us, the fourth man in the fire. When we move out of times of trouble, you are still with us. Help us to be people of your heart and people of your purpose who who lean into you during times of trouble. But God, help us to be people who acknowledge you, lean into you, and care about your heart during our times of blessing. You're ever-present. Solomon wrote, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on, on your own understanding. And help us to, in all our ways, acknowledge you. And then you will direct our path. God, if you are ever-present, I pray today that you would never allow me to allow you to be unacknowledged. Help us to acknowledge you in all our ways. Help us to acknowledge you with all our days. And simply acknowledging you are there, yielding ourselves to you, your promise is you'll direct our paths. So we rest in that. But we pray you would capture our attention. Holy Spirit, capture our attention. There are whirlwinds. There are earthquakes. There are fires. There are rumblings. But you're not in any of that. You are a still, small, ever-present voice. Holy Spirit, bring us into attention to that voice. 
We thank you for your presence with us always, for what it means for us. Comfort, peace, joy. And as Pastor Dave preached this morning, hope that you're alive and well in this generation through us. And we thank you for taking up residence inside of us. And we pray you would strengthen us to be the light of the world as your body. You're alive and well, God, in this earth through us, and we give you praise and thanks for that. Go with us as we celebrate our freedom this, this weekend. God, firstly, as Christians set free from the power of sin, death, hell, and the grave. God, and also in this culture where we're free to preach the gospel, help us to not take that for granted either. Go with us, Lord, we pray. And everybody said... Amen, amen. You're-